Hello and welcome to the PhD Life Raft podcast. I'm Emma Brzezinski and today I am talking to the marvellous Katie Peplin. We're talking about embracing the role of being a student on your PhD journey and we focus on the superpower of being curious. So I do hope you enjoy this episode. Katie. Hello. It is so lovely to meet you. Um, and I have um, been stalking you. I regularly stalk people online, but I was stalking you and I just came across your work and I was just like, I love what you're doing. Really love what you're doing. Um, and so I said, would you come and talk to me? And you very kindly Absolutely. said yes. And I am so excited and have been doing a little bit of research on my own. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> well, what we're saying is we just, we love that we've, we're both coming from a very similar perspective I think so it's great really great to find to find other people to find your people is so gorgeous and social media is such a brilliant place to do that so we're both on Instagram and if people aren't on Instagram already I I really I mean social media is not everybody's thing um and Instagram is not everybody's thing but if you are on Instagram there there's a brilliant PhD community there isn't there Katie there is absolutely so I'd recommend you it's kind of like uh hashtag PhD, hashtag PhD students of Instagram, just um, uh, you can find people that way. Um, Anyway, this is about you. This is about Instagram, (laughs) it's about you. So tell us, Katie, about about your own PhD journey. Sure. So um, I am a media studies PhD. I got my PhD in 2016, which unbelievably is like six years ago now at this point. Um, Both that it happened yesterday and then also that it happened 18 lifetimes ago. Um, But I went straight through the kind of like educational thing. Um, I did a I'm an undergraduate in media studies and production, and then I went straight into an MA, a two-year MA program, and then I went straight into a PhD after that. And so there was this real sense when I graduated in like 2016 that I was done being a student, (laughs) and that's all I'd ever been. Sort of from like age five, I just kept doing whatever the next school was um, because I really liked school. And um, nobody in my family had really any... um, higher education things to speak of. My dad had done um, a little bit of sort of like college study, but at home when he had kids and at night with like work. And so I was very much on my own in terms of what I understood about the process of doing a PhD. (laughs) Like I had this really strong memory of coming home from my first day of orientation of my PhD program and Googling what tenure was because I knew that it was something I didn't understand like what it was or how you got it. And so um, a lot of my own kind of like background now as a coach came from me trying to teach myself what this system was. And so I would get emails 
from people that are like, oh, you know, I'm the dean of so-and-so. And then I would look up like, what is a dean? And what is a provost? And how does it fun? Because I am the a sort of person where I'd like to know everything, um, which I'm sure people find desperately unrelatable, this like, <laughs> desire to know. Um, but, but it is yes. a whole different language, isn't it? A whole different it, language. It was, and it was, and it ended up being such a benefit for me as a PhD student because I understood a little bit more how things worked and I wasn't dependent on my advisor or my department. And so if they told me something and it didn't feel like that was the whole story or maybe wasn't correct, like I knew how to check it and I knew how to sort of like apply for scholarships that were outside of my department or I knew how to apply for jobs and I knew what the rules were about my employment. And because I was so curious to know, I ended up opening a lot of doors for myself that um, weren't being sort of like highlighted for me, if that makes sense. Right. That makes absolute sense. And I think often that lack of information I mean we have to we have to sort of well you don't have to but I like to assume there is spiritness right so I like to assume that people don't tell you things because they just assume you know it um this isn't good this isn't good and I think some sometimes things are not acknowledged and I think that's what this podcast is all about it's like we need to get more people in on the know right right um so but this this sense of really needing to educate yourself um is is central to the PhD process, I think, isn't it? Yeah. And I think that one of the things that was really difficult for me as a PhD student was this sense that I I started and my master's program was still pretty course-based. You know, I had exams, I had classes. um, But when I got to my PhD, I was sort of expecting it to feel like my undergraduate studies plus, like like there would be a paper, but it would be extra, or I would have an exam and it would be extra. And I think what was really um, difficult about that transition for me was that I was still being asked to do all of this learning, but it was implicit. It had to be self-directed. And I wasn't in the same sort of like validation feedback loop with grades. (laughs) So there was a real sort of worry of like, okay, am I learning the right things? Am I focusing on the right stuff? Um, Do other people know things that I don't? And a lot of my anxiety really had a field day because I was like, oh, well, if everybody knows all of these things and I don't know anything, what are they, what are they doing that I'm not doing? And what am I I don't have like parents that I can call and say like, how do you write a book, dad? (laughs) My dad is great, but he doesn't know how to write a book. And um, other people did. And I um, really spent a lot of time trying to learn how other people were doing it because I was so afraid that I was doing it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And I am sure lots of people can relate to that. Um, There was a brilliant um, TV series in the UK called What Do Artists Do All Day? Um, Mm -hmm. And I keep threatening to to do my own series, What Do PhD Students Do All Day? Just this sense of kind of people knowing what what actually other people are doing. (laughs) Um, Because there is real anxiety around that in terms of, well, what do you need to do and how do you need to be? And so that's what we're here to talk about, right? Yes. so we we were, we were discussing what would be a good topic today. And I'd, I'd been really taken by one of your posts about embracing being a student. I mean, mm. we've kind of already started that theme in terms of needing to learn about right. things. But tell, tell us a little bit more about that and, and what you mean by that. Right. I think what I mean by that, um, and I... 
is this sort of continuation of the kind of like, I was good at school. And so I'm going to keep going to school. (laughs) And I think for me, there was this real big sort of aha moment when I disentangled what learning was from what grades and evaluation were, if that makes sense. And so um, the 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 drive to learn new things and to explore new topics were one of the big reasons why I was you know so successful in my earlier parts of school and why I wanted to keep going but there was a real shift when I had to start to say like okay but what does this mean for me now that I'm not a student in a dependent sense all of the time. And I think what can be really, really confusing and um, sometimes really emotionally difficult for graduate students is that you you are both a student and a professional and you're not always in charge of which one you are at any given right. time. Right. <laughs> so, right. so, so like my department absolutely considered me a professional when they wanted me to drop everything and cover a class when they had a sudden sort of drop. But I was also a student when it came to my wages or my healthcare or sort of, you know, what power I had to make departmental decisions. And, and that wasn't up to me. <laughs> you know, like some people treated me like colleagues and some people treated me like a child. And it was really hard for me to sort of do the emotional work and say like, oh, actually I am good at learning. I'm good at research and I can turn that skill on myself and on my work and on the sort of professionalization process. And I don't have to wait for somebody to tell me, oh, you're a doctor now, or, oh, you're a writer now, or, oh, you're ready to do this research. I can learn how to do that on my own or, you know, in a community. Yes. And uh, a quick, and and that that is something to be learned because I think there is that sense of an expectation. Right. I think it's two really interesting things in there. So this sense of an expectation that people have on themselves that <laughs> I should know everything, right? If I don't yes. know everything, then obviously I'm not good at the PhD. Well, well no, of, of course you need to learn. <laughs> of course you're there yeah. in a learning capacity. But I think there is that difficulty, as you say, in terms of being that there's that there's that kind of tension in terms of being a professional and a colleague in training, which is ideally mm-hmm. what you're, and a student at the same time. So kind of negotiating those those different identities. But um, absolutely embracing this thing of like you've got lots to learn, um, right. and that's a that that's a brilliant permission giving thing, right? Yes, and I think that as soon as I um, I remember that I had a mentor when um, who was sort of outside of my department, and I remember I was kind of complaining about how frustrating it was in their writing process, and I was like, I don't know how. I said, I don't know why it's not working. This is just a term paper that's three times this long. And she looked at me and she says, oh, she's like my sweet summer child. (laughs) She Mm -hmm. said, it's not just uh, three term papers stacked on top of each other in the same way that a term paper isn't five, five paragraph essays stacked on top of each other. She says, Mm -hmm. you might have to learn how to do this new skill. And I think that she meant that in the most generous way. But for me, it was this permission slip to be like, oh, it's okay to not know how to do this skill yet. And it's okay for me to now, and then I had a research question, which is how is this different from three term papers stacked up together? And how do other people do it? And I could turn that sort of curiosity and have that, that real joy of learning again 
while also feeling like this was a little bit more under my control, that I wasn't sort of just dependent on other people telling me whether it was good or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it, it can be really disorientating because um, people have gone through an undergrad, often gone through a master's as well. And there's a kind of, there's a real link between the two of those and it, it and they, they run in a similar way. And then yeah. you go into a PhD program, which is very different and, and it can feel really disempowering. It's like, I don't understand what is going on here. This isn't what I thought it was going to be. It's really different. But what I love about what you're saying is kind of embrace that and go, oh yeah, this is new. This is different. I can learn. I can learn yes. how this works. Um, but I do think what you touched on there as well is really important. And perhaps you could say a bit more about this in terms of not getting the feedback because yeah. in undergraduate, you get a lot of feedback. Right. And, and, and people will be getting, you know, people who are doing PhDs are used to getting a lot of very positive feedback. They were top yes. of their class. Yes. But can was. you say a bit, little bit more about how that feels <laughs> yeah. and how you might negotiate that? As a, yeah, I'm taking a deep other. breath because it is still <laughs> like a really vulnerable place. Um, yeah. Yeah. It is. Um, I remember like the first time that I didn't get an A in high school. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. what is a B plus and how do I do it? And um, that feeling has never really left for me. And I think that for a lot of the clients that I work with and a lot of the friends that I have from my own PhD program, there is this real sense that um, I substituted a lot of how I knew I was doing well based on other people's feedback. So if I got an A on a paper, then I knew I was doing well in that class because somebody told me that I was. And then all of a sudden, those sort of like structures of me measuring my progress really dropped away. And in the place of them were people who, um, some people were really generous with their feedback and it was constructive and it was pedagogical. It was meant to sort of help me improve. And some people gave me feedback and it was um, not as generous. <laughs> <laughs> and it was dramatic. Not, yes, it was not oriented. Like it wasn't geared toward me, sort of learning. It was um, meant to sort of help me conform to what this person expected of me. Not that those expectations were ever spelled out in a way that I could have used while I was making said paper or said project or said conference paper. So. Um, it was really difficult for me. And I will be very honest that I was in therapy the whole time. Um, I had a therapist and I would come in and I would be like, this is what they said on my paper. So I must be, you know, just a trash raccoon. <laughs> and she was like, no, you're using the passive voice. And that's not an indictment of your personal worthiness. Um, and it's not, it, it was at times it felt that, that real for me that if I didn't do well on a paper, that it meant that I was in the wrong program, that I wasn't meant to do a PhD. And then my my future career goals were in jeopardy just because I couldn't figure out how to write an introduction paragraph. And that's a lot of pressure to put on one paragraph in an early draft of one paper of many that you're writing. It's yeah. yeah. a lot of pressure on that. But it so, makes absolute sense, doesn't it? Because we Because you're investing so much in that work. And that's a yes. gorgeous thing, isn't it? To kind of bring your full heart and your full passion to this PhD project. You're there fully in it and you put it out there on a piece of paper. Your heart is on the piece of paper. Yes. Give it to somebody else and then they they are not kind, basically. Right. Um, and, 
and that can be really devastating. Um, and so you took that to this person who sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, how how do you how? But I guess it's kind of what what other advice would you give to people with with that in terms of being in that position? Right. So I think the thing that helped me personally the most, and it might not be, you know, your mileage may vary, as we say sometimes, is being able, um, for me, I really loved teaching. I loved working with students of my own. And so it was really helpful for me to kind of role play in my mind. Um, Am I treating myself like I would treat a student? And so if I had a student come into my office hours in a class that I was responsible for, and they said, you know, I'm really struggling. Would I assume that they were in the wrong college? (laughs) Like, would I assume that somebody made a mistake and that they weren't supposed to be here or that, um, you know, they weren't trying hard enough? Uh, I I really tried to, um, if I didn't feel that that sense of sort of generous self-evaluation was innate in me yet, I role-played. I faked it until I made it. (laughs) And I wouldn't still say that I made it, Um, but it was really helpful for me to kind of Um, remember that I was a student and that I was there to learn. And that part of what was so glorious about my PhD, especially now that I'm kind of out of it, was this sense that I could learn how to do anything that I wanted to within reason. You know, I I couldn't really learn how to run a nuclear reactor um, without some extra training. Oh, no, you could. Oh, you could. (laughs) Or I could have. But I could... um, that if something was really hard for me, I could learn how to do it in the same way that I learned how to tie my shoes. And it it might take me longer and it might, but there was real satisfaction in that. Um, And I I really started to seek out the satisfaction of growth without this pressure to do it perfectly the first time. Oh, I love that so much. And it makes me think of the Carol Dweck's growth mindset. Mm. And when she talks about not yet, can't yeah. do it yet. I will get there. <laughs> we'll get there. Love yes. It. And I think that for me, one of the things that's really hard about this sort of like growth mindset is that there is the, the my first reaction to any of those books is like, okay, but like eventually I will be grown and I'll be perfect and then I'll never struggle with this again. <laughs> And I think that one of the things that's been really helpful for me and one of the things that I really try and bring into the places that I make for graduate students is the sense that your satisfaction or your pride or your um, sense of yourself isn't dependent on that outcome, that it can be in the mess of learning and the showing up and the presentness of it. And that um, I like I, I sort of love it when I read a book and have a habit and I try it out and I hate it because I'm like, ooh, this is new data. This is new territory. This is something new to explore. And why do I hate it? Um, that curiosity has become so much more of a sustainable fuel for me than perfection ever was. Love, I love, I love the word curiosity. I love it. It's so powerful and it's so permission given, isn't it? Yes. Sense of intellectual curiosity and that as a superpower, as a as a PhD researcher. Um so all of that said, and how important it is to be in the student mindset in the in the widest of it, do you have a kind of top tip or a takeaway? um for people 
I do. <laughs> so um, one of the things that I often hear from clients and that was very much true for me was that as soon as I was out of, especially out of the initial sort of coursework phase of my PhD, I really missed the exposure to new ideas. And so I um, used to dedicate and it wasn't every Friday and it wasn't sort of perfectly scheduled, but by the end of the week when my brain was, you know, just totally saturated with everything else, I would have little topics that I was kind of side researching. Um, I was, um, you know, I was researching the best crime novels around the world to put on a syllabus to guide my summer fun reading. Or I was doing a little bit of a deep dive to see how other people stored their notes and did I want to learn anything from that. But having a sort of place in my schedule that I could commit to being a student without it needing to directly tie back to my out, like whatever the biggest outcome was at that particular moment, whether it was this dissertation chapter or the job market or whatever, um, that it, it helped, it invigorated me in so many different ways to just be like, okay, well, I have this question. What if I researched it? What if I researched how other people are storing all of their PDFs? Or <laughs> what if I researched how other people are structuring their mornings? Or what if I researched what a provost was or what the enrollment cliff is or what these different jobs are? It really helped to give me a sense that this wasn't um, a race to figure out how to do things perfectly. This was a an area of deep interest. And with any other area of deep interest, I could keep learning about it. Um, and that could be something that I gave myself full permission to do as part of my work, as opposed to something that I had to do in order to catch up. Love it, when I love that we have a furry friend that's joining us, who's also obviously has a tip for us. Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is that. No, please don't apologise. I love it. I do love it. Um, uh, I think that. Um, well, I think that's brilliant. I'm just about to get a new kitten, so I'm very, very excited about it. Yeah. Um, this is um, a three-legged cat who likes to be on my desk, and so he he yells to let me know that he's ready to come to work for the day. Oh, <laughs> so I apologise. No, do not apologise. <laughs> welcome and I'm sure he's got real wisdom to share there yes um but I love I love this idea and I love this idea of this of this space of being curious kind of a curious hour yes (laughs) and it doesn't need to last forever in order for it to be valuable um you know even 15 minutes can be really really fun if you're um pressed for time yeah 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 (laughs) Oh, thank you, Katie, so much. I was just saying, I'm hoping this is the one of the first of many conversations that we're going to have because I really do love what you're doing. And we will have all your um, contact details and things in the show notes because oh. um doing some amazing work. And I say you're you're um, on Instagram if people would like to find you there. Yes. Um, thank you so much for reminding us how important it is to be a student and what a gorgeous opportunity that is. Yes. Um, And thank you all for listening.